it's dependent a lot on the budget, obviously. You know, some brands just don't have the money to charge maybe or to pay maybe what you're charging. But you also need to be charging what your time is worth and what it's worth to you. Welcome back to Full Side Podcast. This is episode 131 and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Today, I am excited to share the guest that I have today. His name is Matt and he is a dad blogger in Calgary. I've been following him for a while and I think it's just interesting the ratio between dad bloggers and mom bloggers. It's like one billion to one to Matt, basically. (laughs) And so it was interesting just to hear about why he started a blog, what that experience has been like. Um, We do touch upon the fact that he doesn't get any trolls about how he is parenting, where compared to the mom bloggers that we all know are getting trolled on the daily for what they look like and how they're raising their kids and like what they're eating and how they're breathing. And he doesn't get any. And so I think it's a really interesting comparison and probably a little sexism happening in the world, but also that I feel like women are really mean to each other. And Matt kind of just is there as the dad doing dad things and sharing his valuable information and no one was really questioning or judging. So that is an interesting standard that exists on the internet. We also talk about just how he got into blogging, what his content strategy looks like and how that has changed now that he has a full-time job because he started his blog when he was a full-time stay-at-home dad. And so there's definitely a time commitment now and also we talk about knowing the value of your time especially when you no longer have tons of it and you have to decide what campaigns you're going to work on how you're going to spend that time and how you want to create content and that means charging accordingly for what you think your time is worth he shares a little bit about how he decides how much to charge and how he decides which campaigns to commit to now We talk about some of the social trends, TikTok, Clubhouse, what Instagram is like now, his thoughts on creating video and everything else that you need to know about blogging and influencing. He gives his advice for people who want to start a blog or getting into being an influencer and and basically to sum it up, if you are a dad and you want to get into influencer marketing or blogging, the space is ready for you. There's not a lot, especially if you're in Calgary. Matt says he only knows one other one. So I think there is room for you. So let's jump into it. Here is Matt. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I am excited to be interviewing Matt. He is a blogger in Calgary. So thank you for joining me. Well, thank you very much for having me. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and just telling us a little bit about you? For sure. So my name is Matt. I run dashingdad.ca as well as dashingdadyyc on social media. Um, I've been blogging for Dashing Dad for coming up on three years now. I was runner up for best blogger in Calgary a couple years ago. Um, I was a stay at home dad for two years, which is when the blog started. Um, and I'm now a full-time work from home dad and I work as a creative content manager for an international PR company. Cool. And then I guess that like I do marketing on like as my full-time job as well. And I always find that it's more of a compliment 
to the blogging and influencer type stuff? Because at least you're still in the industry, you're learning things. Do you agree with that or do you, would you rather just do the blogging? <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely a compliment, especially for, for what I do in my career. Like I do a lot of writing for brands and um, I think having the blog and then the influencer as being um, this one side of my life and then being on the other side of working for a PR company or working with brands, I, I get to see the full like 360 picture of how everything comes together. So it's definitely very complimentary for me. Right. And do you want to give us a story about how and why you started a blog? I feel like there's not a lot of men or dads that start a blog. I feel like it's more like the mommy blogger thing. So do you want to give us your background and why that was the route you chose? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so my background is in journalism. Um, that's what I went to school for. And I worked as a journalist for a number of years before getting into marketing and communications and stuff. So I've always enjoyed writing and I've had a blog in one form or another since like geo cities was a thing in I'm dating myself just even mentioning <laughs> that but um so I've always been right but when we had my daughter um I was looking for something that I could use you know as my like identity um, because when you have kids, you, you get lost in becoming a parent and like everything is about them. So I was looking for a creative way to, you know, be myself still. Um, but I was low on time. So I figured if I was going to do something, I was going to actually put effort into doing it well and, and committing to um, taking the time to really put into it. Um, so that got me started on dad blogging. I honestly wasn't, I, I knew that mom bloggers were huge. I didn't know the extent of it at the time. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't start it thinking that, you know, I was going to be a thing or, or, you know, I was hoping, but, um, yeah, there weren't a lot of dad bloggers. So, um, it was easy to create that niche. And how did you find like how to start a blog. I always find it interesting because I started mine like seven or eight years ago and I was kind of the same where you're just like, I feel like I should start a blog because I like writing and you just want another like platform to use that type of creativity on. And so did you like Google it? Were you able to find someone to look up as a role model or were you just kind of like, I know how to write. I'm just going to go from here. Um, I had in my professional career started a number of websites that had a blog component to them. So I was sort of familiar with um, doing it that way. I certainly looked at, uh, you know, people that I was inspired by, which for me is a lot of women and it's a lot of moms um, because like I mentioned, there's not a lot of dads doing it. So um I, I was inspired by a lot of Canadian moms that were doing it and doing it really well. So, um, you know, I kind of looked to them for inspiration, but I sort of already had a background in starting a blog. So the actual starting process of it wasn't as difficult as it was coming up with content ideas. Right. And so what kind of content do you put out now? And has that changed from when you started? Obviously, like you said, you now have a full-time job, but did you change the, what your blog was about or is it kind of still the same? Yeah. When I first started, it was just, you know, I was th kind of throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what stuck and seeing what would be, um, 
the, the most popular. Um, but as I've gone on, I, I've sort of created the niche of, I wanted it to be about things you can do with your kids and, and offer uh, a resource for parents. I don't want to have an, a, like an opinion about how you should raise your child. Um, I think parenting is already so difficult and every child is so different that there is no right or wrong way. And, um, you know, what works for one family is not going to work for another family. So I didn't want to be like, this is how you breastfeed. And this is when your child should sleep. And these are the things your child should eat. I just wanted to, um, talk about interesting topics and talk about interesting people and introduce, um, things to do with an audience and, and just present the idea. And I think that's my journalism background. Um, you know, I just like telling stories and, and finding out information and then passing that information along to people. I like that. And I think it's, I mean, there's tons of blogs out there and I, but I do think it's a refreshing way to look at it because there are a lot of opinions about Mm -hmm. how to do things. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can't even imagine Googling any of that and what comes up with people's opinions. So, and especially when you're looking for things to do, which I'm sure, which we'll talk about that there has been an increase in traffic with people trying to figure out what to do with their kids now that you can't do the traditional things. Yeah, absolutely. And and, I mean, it's not hard to have an opinion. So (laughs) as we know, the internet is full of people with opinions. So um, there's, there's nothing unique about that. So I wanted to really corner the market in Calgary on, um, on on parent blogging. And there were a few uh, moms doing it at the time, but there were certainly no dads. Um, So I, I just wanted to really zero in on Calgary and then kind of grow it from there. Are there any other dad bloggers even now? Like you're the only one I know, but also I'm not like in the target market either. There is one other dad blogger that I know of in Calgary. Um, his name is David. He runs life with Benjamin. Um, and he does some very, very cool Photoshop work. Um, but other than that, I don't know of any other dad bloggers in Calgary. Crazy. Well, that's awesome to have your own, like almost your own lane then to be the one that people go to. And have you received, Mm -hmm. or even when you were starting, did you receive any backlash from people or like questions about what you were going to do or any of that type of thing. I know you were a journalist, so I'm sure people weren't surprised by the writing part of it, but I feel like just being a blogger already has its own connotations with it. Yeah, no, not any backlash. And I, I certainly had gone into it preparing for that. I, I, I think I spent probably way more time than necessary being anxious about it, but also like preparing mentally, you know, the responses I would have to people, not only about, you know, the blogging, but being a stay at home dad, which is unique in and of itself. So, um, I had drawn up a whole bunch of scenarios in my head that I was prepared for, but, um, touch wood, I didn't receive any backlash, which almost, was upsetting in a way because um, as silly as it sounds, because I I feel like if I was a woman, I would have received a ton of backlash by now, like about anything, about how I look, about how I'm parenting, about what I'm writing about. You know, I'm sure I would have received something and I haven't gotten anything. And that is like, is is it just because I'm a man? Like that's, is, is it that or, is it because I'm not writing controversial enough stuff or, or what is it? So, um, 
but no touch wood, I haven't received any backlash or anything. That is interesting. And I would never have really thought about it mostly because I'm not a dad or a male blogger, (laughs) but, uh, I'm sure it is mostly because you are a man blogging that people aren't as judgmental or really have that click. I feel like, again, I'm not in the group of people, but I know a lot of the mom bloggers in Calgary and I know that it can be super supportive, but also there, like we said, there's a lot of opinions out there. And I feel like the female to female opinions as a mom are really, really strong and judgmental, but maybe you are like getting under the radar because first of all, dads aren't giving the same opinions online, but maybe also because people are taking it differently because you are a dad, which is really interesting. It's, and it's almost insulting in a way because I think I get like, it's a really low bar for me um, to get praise for what I do as a parent for, you know, if I make lunches or, you know, right. take, take my kids out for the day. It's like, Oh my God, he did it. And it's like, well, of course I did. I'm, I'm a, we have a 50, 50 role in parenting and, uh, I'm very involved. I, I work from home. So of course, and I was a stay at home dad. So like I was the primary caregiver for a long time, but it's like, yay, he knows how to change a diaper. Um, but like you said, I follow a lot of the the mom bloggers in Calgary here, and I, I know for a fact that they're getting um, angry, trolly messages on, on all, almost a daily basis. So I am a little insulted that I haven't gotten <laughs> any, but it, it's also nice that I'm not getting any. So Totally. Maybe they'll come. Maybe one day, once uh, there's more saturation in your industry, you'll end up with a lot more messages. Yeah. Whoever's listening out there, if you've got something angry to say, come at me. We're looking for trolls. (laughs) Um, Do you think that you get more opportunities within like your area of expertise just because there isn't really any competition? Um, because you are more of like a niche than for brands, especially like just as the influencer in general, which I can speak to is people are always looking for the minorities for influencer campaigns. So there's a lot of like white women out there. So do you find that you get a lot of different brand campaigns or opportunities because you are the dad blogger, especially in Calgary when there's only a couple? Yeah, I can't really speak to what would be a normal amount of um, outreach from companies, but um, I know I do get quite a few on a weekly basis. So um, it, it certainly could be attributed to that, but also I am like a white male in my 30s. So I'm like very um, the norm in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I, I, I can't really say one way or another, but um I have gotten quite a few, so it it could be because of that. I'm sure there's like a PR list that's like dads that are blogging just you. (laughs) Yes. I, yeah, I was fortunate um, when I first started blogging, someone reached out to me that has a Facebook group that is dad bloggers. Um, And I think when I joined the group, there was like six of us and we're now up to, I don't know, 25 or 30 across Canada, which is insane because mom blogs across Canada, there's like a million, I I think literally close to a million. Um, and, and there's like 30 dad bloggers, which is hilarious. But, um, I was expecting when I, I started it, that I would get a lot of like dad pitches though. Like, Hey, you like barbecuing and cars and beer and, um, and certainly I get some of that, but, um, there hasn't been a lot 
of male specific content. And I think maybe that's because Instagram is my main social platform and it's very female leaning. And even my follower count on Instagram is probably 70% women. So, um, it, it could be because of that. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and what has been some of the coolest collaborations that you've done over the years that either you enjoyed a lot or your kids enjoyed a lot? Well, yeah. I'm, so unfortunate because I wrote about, um, you know, things to do around Calgary that uh, we get invited to some, well, pre-COVID, I guess we got invited to some some cool things around town, like Heritage Park and, and the zoo and Telecenter and stuff like that. So my kids love the, the things like that. Um, actually, my favorite one is one that I'm working on right now with Service Credit Union, uh, and it's going to run the, the course of six months. Um, and it's letting me sort of dive into an area that we have personally always had an interest in, but not something I've blogged about before. And that's personal finance. So, um, that one I'm, I'm pretty psyched about, I gotta say. No, that's awesome. I feel like the ones that are the most valuable to people and are really relatable, especially for you, it's a lot easier to tell those stories and make it interesting because you're like, yeah, I, this is what I have to deal with in my day-to-day life. And so it gives you the opportunity to really share more about, who you are, I feel as like a person in a family. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if you find this, but I find the ones that are the best to work with uh, ultimately come down to the company that either if it's the brand or the PR company that they're working with, like whoever I'm speaking with on that end, if they make it seamless and, and we have a good relationship, then I find it better and more enjoyable to work on that than if it's really cumbersome. Um, yeah. And the ones that get, you know, good engagement from people are always fun too. Totally. I agree though. It is, it doesn't even really matter what brand it is, as long as the people that you're working with make it enjoyable because then creating content, you can really make it about anything. And so, like you said, that relationship is important and you don't feel like it's a hassle as opposed to something you get to do. Yeah. And I'm not going to name names or anything, but, um, I'm working on one right now. I actually think maybe you're doing the same one and uh, it's been just a a pain in the butt. And (laughs) so that has made it not enjoyable for me. Totally. Yeah. And it's, you never know until you're, you're in it, how it's going to be. And then it's too late. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And like you mentioned, you recently got a full-time job. So how has that impacted your content creation or your blogging? Like, did you have to change the strategy behind that or have you been able to keep up with the same amount of content just at like different times of the day? Well, fun fact about me. Um, I, so as a creative content manager, like my job is to create content calendars and content plans for people and then help create the content. I don't do that for myself. And I've never done that. I I always like fly by the seat of my pants and like, Oh crap, I haven't posted anything in five days. I better do something. Um, which is terrible. And I highly don't recommend it, but, um, I just mentally do not have the capacity to create any content calendars or anything. So when I started working full time, like I lost so much free time to be able to create things and think about uh, what I was going to post. Cause now, you know, I work full days during the week and I want to spend time with the kids before they go to bed. And so best time to take pictures is during the day, but I don't have free time during the day. And Oh, it's, so now I'm like, where can I squeeze in 
Um, and, and even better, if I can do something with the kids that I can also take pictures with or write about, then, then great. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely impacted my ability to create content, but it's also focused me to, um, force me to do as many things in one time that I can and to, uh, really, you know, plan out, but also, like I mentioned, I've been, I get pitched a million different things in a week. And so I used to just say yes to everything. Like, and I was so excited when, Oh my God, you want to send me something or, you know, pay me 10 bucks for something. Great. Yes, I'll do it. Um, whereas now like my time is so valuable to myself that I'm just like, it has to be worth my time to do it. Otherwise I'm not going to, cause I just, I, I can't afford the time. Right. And isn't it funny when you're like forced to do it, then you do realize that, but obviously your time was valuable before as well, but now you have to really choose who, what you should be doing for free or not doing for free. And I feel like that's something that any influencer should take into consideration, no matter how much time you're spending content creating. I, I would agree. And if I could go back, I would um, have really focused or, and thought about like what I, who I wanted to be and, and what did I want my voice to be? One of the hardest unexpected things I found about having this, um, um, online profile, public profile is that I get approached from so many, I'm sure it's the same for you. I get approached for so many charities and so many great causes and I want to help everyone, but I can't, I, 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 I emotionally can't, and I don't have the time to do that, to create content for free for everyone. Um, so it's really forced me to, to think about who I am and what's important to me and who do I want to be uh, online um, because I, I can't help everyone, unfortunately. Totally. And it is hard. I even struggle with it now that you're like, well, how do you say no to a charity or something that's like, a local small business that just needs help. You know, it is really hard to not just do everything for free, but at the same time, then you end up, and I'm sure you still go through it sometimes where you've said yes to too many things just because you kind of felt bad in the moment. And now you're stuck creating and promoting things that you either don't have time for, you actually really aren't that into without, but then you can't go back on your word. And now you're in this vicious cycle of producing too much content. (laughs) Yeah, I had a a bit of a lull in December. So a number of people reached out about things that were going to be happening in January and February. And I was like, yes, to all of them. Sounds great. Um, And then, yeah, middle of January, I was drowning in things to do along with my full time job. And I wasn't doing, you know, my job or parenting or the content stuff well at all. I, I was half assing everything it felt like. So my wife pulled me aside and was like, you are burning it at both ends and need to cut this back because you're not doing anything good right now. So um, bless her heart for doing that. Cause uh, and that's what forced me to be like, okay, I really need to pick and choose what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with. Right. And I know people are always wondering um, how do you decide how much you charge for a brand campaign or to work with someone? Do you have like a, system or is it just kind of what their budget is? Can you just like kind of walk us through that? I feel like we could do an entire series of a podcast on how to decide what to charge (laughs) from both a brand perspective and an influencer perspective, because there is frustratingly no, um, 
system in place to where anyone knows what to charge. And, and I would say to influencers that are wondering what to charge, brands don't know either. Um, <laughs> it's dependent a lot on um, the budget, obviously. Um, you know, some brands just don't have the money to charge maybe or to pay maybe what you're charging, but you also need to be charging what your time is worth and what it's worth to you. Now that varies maybe person to person. Um, you know, 10 years ago when I had nothing but free time, I would do a lot for free. Um, if the experience was cool or, you know, I thought my time was worth maybe 20 bucks an hour. So if I thought it was going to take me five hours, hundred bucks and, and there I go. Um, now I have actually a very specific formula um, that I discovered and it's based on engagement. So I take my engagement rates, which I've worked really hard on curating over the last three years. Um, and I use that to determine um, what my rate should be. And that pretty much goes across the board now, no matter who is pitching me. And I have had, I have reached out to brands and said, this is what I charge. Um, and this is how much my time is worth. And they said, sorry, you're, that's too much. And okay. Thanks for, thanks for reaching out. I used to feel bad, like, okay, never mind. I'll, I'll do it for less. Um, but now it, it's too important to me that, you know, my time is valued. Exactly. And this is your job and you're creating that content that's valuable. And if they don't want to pay for it, I feel like that's their loss. And I think this industry is, it's very slow, but I think it is evolving as brands are now realizing that this is like a form of advertising and marketing and you have to pay for that, which is, it's good to see, but there, obviously there's a lot of brands that are still either hoping you're going to do it for free because there's influencers that will still do it for free that are kind of hurting the rest of us that are trying to charge, but also that there are now PR companies that understand this is a business, which is great. Yeah. And I would say out of the, so we have three offices across Canada and we have, I couldn't even tell you how many clients call it a hundred. And I'd say out of those 100 clients, um, there's maybe 10% that don't see the value in influencers, but 90% that do now their budgets will, uh, ebb and flow depending on who the brand is. But, um, I think the value of influencers is really skyrocketing from my opinion. Um, especially because you can, it's so easy to track, um, you, if you have your KPIs and your return on investment, it's so easy to track that online. Uh, whereas, you know, the old school way of a billboard on the side of the highway or, you know, a newspaper article, well, great. It has a circulation of 2.5 million, but how many people read it and what did they do from it? No idea. Whereas an, an influencer puts up a swipe up campaign on Instagram, you know exactly how many people that drove to your website. So um, I think the value of influencers is going up for sure. Yeah, which is awesome. And what would you say to someone who wants to start a blog or get into influencer marketing? Because I know, especially with the pandemic, I think a lot of people have had time to think about what they want to do with their time. Yeah, I think I, I would say if you are truly thinking about doing it, then treat it like a job um, because you're going to have to put a lot of work in it. And I'm, I'm not sure people realize that before they get into it, how much work it takes to 
come up with the content ideas to shoot the content, to plan it out over a month. You know, if you have competing campaigns then when you're going to do those and, and planning your time and who you want to be and creating the logo and the branding, and it takes a lot of time. And then once you do all that, then you still have to build an audience, which takes time too. So um, if you want to get into it, then recognize that it is probably going to take for me, it took two years before, you know, I was really felt comfortable with um, where I was at and brands started reaching out to me instead of me reaching out to them. Um, I know for some people that happens quicker and some people it takes longer. So, um, you know, if that's something you want to get into, then you better like what you're doing and recognize that it's going to take work before you can really um, reap any sort of reward from it. Definitely. And I think that's the mindset that people get caught up in a lot, especially now that influencers are so prominent on all of the platforms that it looks easy and who doesn't want free things. But I think, like you said, people don't understand what goes in behind it, but that also you have to really like what you're talking about because you're going to have to talk about it every day for the next like three to five years. Um, And I think a lot of people, I'm sure you get a ton of messages. I used to go for coffee with a ton of people that were like, I want to get into influencing. And I'm like, well, here's what you have to do by all means. Like it's not hard. It just takes a lot of work and they maybe post like a couple of times and then they kind of die off again. And then they circle back in six months with the same like questions and hoping that it was going to be easier. And I think it's, it's interesting that people still, even with like all the information on the internet, oops. Sorry. Um, even with all the information on the internet that people still think that they can just post once and then have brands reach out to them. Yeah. That's that it amazes me that people think they can post, you know, well, I put some effort into this one picture and it only got 50 likes and Ford didn't reach out to me to give me a car. Like what's, what's the deal here? Well, keep doing that for a year and then maybe, Definitely. And I think I'm sure you're the same that you'd, you'd probably be doing this whether or not you were getting paid for it or you were having these opportunities. I think for most people, especially bloggers, I find because I started as a blogger as well, that you did it because you like sharing your stories, you like sharing what you're doing and you like writing. And then the other things are kind of just a bonus that happened along the way. Exactly. And I mean, especially because I focus on parenting and family life, like that is my life. So it's easy to, um, you know, I don't have to manufacture um, who I am or or get bored of talking about my kids. I'll never get bored of talking about them. So uh, that makes it easy for sure. But yeah, you're exactly right. If you're going to start something and you're like, well, I really love, I don't know, flowers right now. Well, get prepared to talk about flowers for the next five years then because that's that's the way it is if you want to build something. Exactly. And social media is obviously evolving, especially Instagram, I guess not really blogging, but um, what trends are you seeing this year in terms of social media or content creation and how are you evolving the type of content you're making based on like what Instagram now offers and clubhouse and TikTok, and you know there's like a billion oh, things to be doing man i am addicted to TikTok, like dangerously addicted to TikTok <laughs> right now um 
and I've only been on it for like six, six months. And I'm, I hardly post anything because I, I feel intimidated, but, but the creativity of people on TikTok is insane. I like, I can't get over the things people are doing on that. Um, and which I think is, I think that creativity and I think probably from the pandemic too, like everyone is so sick of their own four walls and, you know, their own neighborhood. And, and so I think the creativity factor is going to, keep notching up, which personally I find intimidating because I'm, I don't feel like I'm particularly creative, but, um, as, as someone that enjoys watching the content, I think it's amazing to see the things that people are coming out with. I'm interested to see where clubhouse goes. Um, I have an invite and I'm on it, but I, I haven't really engaged on it yet. So I think it's, I think it's a cool opportunity, but I'm interested to see how that evolves and grows um, I, and how Instagram goes. I don't know. I, I've grown increasingly frustrated with how Instagram is changing their algorithms and, uh, you know, trying to copycat TikTok with the reels. And I'm not sure that at least from my perspective and the people I follow and interact with that reels is doing super awesome, but I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, and just going way off on a tangent, Facebook who owns Instagram is starting to get in a huge battle with Apple over the privacy stuff. And then Google looks like they're going to join the fight as well. So it's very interesting in the social landscape to see where we'll be in a year. And, and I don't think anyone can predict that for sure. Um, but I think there's some interesting times, but as just someone that enjoys wasting time scrolling social media apps, uh, uh, I am thoroughly enjoying the creativity of people on them right now. Definitely. I agree. And I do think it is the help of the pandemic and people being stuck inside and stuck with your phone that you can't really do anything else that the creativity is increasing and that other platforms are now having the opportunity to take some of the attention away from Instagram, because I think I agree with you. I'm extremely frustrated with Instagram. Um, it's not quite what it used to be. And it's also hard to grow and it's hard to get engagement and no one really sees your post. So you're like, well, I'm putting all this effort into it. Um, and I'm not really seeing the return on it. So I think it's interesting that platforms like TikTok that are set up totally different and clubhouse that is totally different are becoming so popular. And also you don't have to then rely on Instagram because I think that that is probably still a problem, but one of the biggest problems that they were the only platform really that was taking up all the time and where everyone's attention was. And so it will, like you said, it will be interesting to see if Clubhouse takes off like TikTok does. I really enjoy it. Um, I, cause I love listening to podcasts. And so I feel like it's just like podcasts in real time, yeah. which is interesting. Although I, can't multitask while listening to them because then I'm either not working properly or I'm not listening properly. And so then I'm either wasting time just listening or I can't listen to it. So that's my only problem with it is none of the conversations are recorded. So you can't like go back and listen to it somewhere. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how brands use it, which I don't even want to say because I hate when brands jump onto platforms and then kind of ruin them and make them a business, but. Oh, personally, I hope brands stay away from TikTok because they'll just ruin it. Um, and, and yeah, same with Clubhouse, because, which is funny. I don't tell any of my clients I'm saying this, but yeah, you're right. When brands hop on social platforms, I feel like it, it ruins it, makes it so salesy. <clears throat> and are you, have you changed any of your content? Like, do you produce more videos now? Are you... 
I know you blog. So are you sticking with like, you start with the blog and then you use social to push it? Or how does that look from a like platform? I'd say almost right now, I'm at the point where my content revolves around Instagram and then feeds from there. Like the, the blog is almost a bonus for any brand that wants to work with me. And, you know, I might write something that I'm interested about. For example, uh, my daughter's going to go to kindergarten in the fall. So I started researching forest schools and I, I was like, I couldn't find a whole bunch of forest schools that I knew existed. So I just put a list together and I, I put that up on the blog and now it's become incredibly popular and I'm getting messages about it all the time. So, um, you know, I'll keep writing stuff like that because it's relevant to me, but I'd say, you know, if I were to come up with a content plan that it, it revolves around Instagram and then branches out from there, I, I don't like doing video. I'm just not naturally a video person. I, if I really wanted to explode my growth, then I probably would jump on video and I would probably invest the time into learning TikTok and stuff like that. Um, the reality for me is I'm probably not going to have the time to do that. So I'll probably just stick with what I'm doing, but I guess my suggestion would be to do that to anyone that wants to grow. Yeah. And I think that comes back to how much time you have, how valuable is your time? And because especially TikTok, it's very time consuming. And mm -hmm. also you have to, people suggest you post like twice a day on TikTok and you're just like, who, who's making that many videos? Like who has time to yeah. do that? And so I think it is a commitment, although it does pay off, especially the way the TikTok algorithm is set up that you do have a much higher chance of growing that way if you are producing consistently. But I totally agree with you. Video is intimidating and also <laughs> yeah. tedious when you have other things that you're supposed to be doing, especially when you only have daylight for like nine to five, basically. So it's hard to spend those when, hours making video. Yeah. And when you only have, you know, that little daylight and then I have two kids in the house that I'm like, I'd have to quarantine them in a room <laughs> and be like, okay, you stay there while I try to figure out how to make a video. Like it just, it just wouldn't work at all. You know, after COVID when they can actually go places then maybe, but, um, for now, unless people want to see videos of me constantly getting interrupted, it, it just doesn't work for my life. Definitely. And I think, like we said, people are looking for things to do with their kids because everyone's been trapped inside for too long. So I think you're mm -hmm. already offering a ton of valuable insight without having to learn any dances or anything so <laughs> uh, well we'll see maybe i'll learn a dance still who knows <laughs> i'm not closing that door yet <laughs> we'll make sure everyone's following you so that we can wait for the first video to pop up <laughs> okay <laughs> um and that's kind of brings us to the end of this so do you want to tell people where they can find you your instagram your blog all the things <laughs> Uh, yeah, so dashingdad.ca is the blog, and then Instagram is dashingdadyyc, uh, and same with Facebook, and uh, I, I, I'm on TikTok, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not posting as we talked about, so um, find me at all those places, love to hear from people, please reach out. Amazing, well, thank you so much for coming on here, I think that was great information, and I think if people didn't already realize, if you're a dad and you want to blog, there is space for you. So there, there's yeah, I would I would love to collaborate with you and answer any questions. So yeah, reach out. 
Thanks for listening to this interview with Matt. I hope you got some valuable information out of it about blogging, influencing, and just being a dad in general. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Rate and review it. It really means a lot to me. And if you have any questions or you have a guest suggestion, please DM me on Instagram. And I will see you in the next episode next week.